Stay tuned for another sports presentation on the worldwide leader of Marshall University Athletics coverage, the Cutting Edge Sports Radio Network. Welcome to Inside Conference USA on the Cutting Edge Sports Radio Network. Join us over the next 60 minutes as we recap last week's matchups, preview the upcoming games, make predictions, and much more. Here's your host. Welcome inside Conference USA. Andrew Rogers, Justin Zemmer, Ben Cower. The crew is back in full force. I don't know how many more times we can say inside Conference USA. We only got very few episodes left of that. Just yeah. the end of this year and next year. We'll, we'll get into it later. Ben, ben already wants to hop into the show. No, okay. It, it's it's uncertain times. Yeah. Southern Miss has left the Sun Belt officially. Old Dominion, Old Dominion is on its way there as well. No, officially, that, that, yeah, was official make today. it tomorrow. No, they'll, have the, they'll have the announcement tomorrow. They'll have tomorrow. the press conference tomorrow, but they made it official yep. today. So two more teams already gone. And we talked about that last week in between yep. you know, in our realignment talk. We had mentioned that there's some teams moving from CUSA to the Sun Belt. Again, we'll touch on this in between yep. our, our recap segment and our preview and picks segment. So let's go back. Let's review Week 8 in Conference USA football. We'll start the Thursday night game, FAU-Charlotte. This was a big game with big-time Conference USA East Division implications. And this was not a blowout at halftime. This final score, 38-9, to FAU over Charlotte. But the halftime score was 9-7 Charlotte at home. I remember, the 49ers were at home in this football game. But FAU looks like a completely different team in the second half. Outscores the 49ers at their place. 31 to nothing to blow out Charlotte at home. This was a surprising score. A dominant second half defensively from FAU. Yeah, they got they got their jets on when it was time to when it, they're, they're they're getting we we've been and and, and Andrew we, we've all talked about it's, it's clutch time. It's time to get going. And FAU got off to a slow start, but when they knew it was go time, they they got going and they had a dominant performance. So a 38 to nine win. So. I told you this FAU team is good. Nikosi Perry, how about this? A phenomenal night at the quarterback position. Nine for 11, 225, three touchdowns. Reynolds, two picks, you know, 22 for 31. But this is, I think, the Owls are getting hot right at time. And we'll, I believe we'll touch on this in the conference antics. You know, now the East is getting good. The East is now becoming the, the most. The, now you have the East and the West getting good. So it's time for the uh, round robin and. Everybody's going to start playing each other. That, but how about this on third down efficiency? This isn't a great number, but this is good. Four you love for, third downs. I love third down. You know why? I don't. It's it's the in my opinion, it's the most crucial down of the game. Probably because if you don't have if you don't get the third down conversion, you're. It depends where you are on the field. Mainly, if you're more in your if you're more in your red zone, you can get a field goal. You can get points. But it, Andrew, you know I've talked a lot about special teams play. You don't get third down, you're allowing a special teams play, a big special teams play if it's a punt. So, love third down. So, four for nine, but Charlotte, four for 17. So, thought a good game, though, for FAU. And, Andrew, I told you at the beginning of the year that they were going to be they were gonna be in the conference championship. They're, they're getting ready. They're getting their turbo engine ready to go and get ready to make a big run here in November. Yeah, this it was just surprising with how this game went. And I watched the first half, and I, that's how I expected it to be kind of a low-scoring defensive grind-it-out game with an FAU just – kind of flipped the switch and what was so surprising about what FAU did was that you mentioned Perry's numbers 
He only attempted 11 passes, completed nine of them, but threw for 225 yards and three touchdowns. So he had a lot of big plays, 57 yards to Burton, 30 to Robinson, 33 to LaJonte Wester, 32 to Ford. So a lot of big plays hurt Charlotte's secondary in this contest. And I think it got to the point in this football game where Charlotte was down and trailing all of a sudden by a lot of points. They had to throw the football a lot, and that's where Chris Reynolds really isn't at his best. Charlotte's good when they can manage the game and they can still do what they want to do with Reynolds on the ground and they can run the football effectively, but if they get to the point where they have to air it out consistently, Charlotte can do that, but not consistently enough to come back in a football game. That's why Reynolds throws a couple of turnovers. They have the guys. Tucker and DeBose are good wide receivers, and they had solid game 70 yards and 105 for Tucker DeBose at 70 and a score. But their offense is not built for success that way. So when Charlotte gets down a couple of scores, they're able to move it, but they're not going to be ultimately able to finish drives effectively as they can. And they they had to go away from it because the defense was struggling against what FAU was doing in terms of balancing the running attack and hitting a big play and i think it's difficult because i think a lot of times you have the big play but also two teams that will be seeing each other a lot more frequently they could be the american yeah this was a future american athletic conference battle yep more than it maybe was a conference Conference usa matchup friday middle tennessee state blows out connecticut it was a close game just three nothing at the end of the first quarter but middle tennessee state over the next three able to take care of business over uconn send the huskies to one and eight middles three and four with the 44-13 victory over the Huskies. And I think much of our story leading up to this football game, Justin, was Chase Cunningham. We knew he was a good quarterback, and Connecticut's defense has struggled mightily at times. Cunningham had a great day. Yeah, he did. You know, he went 297, four touchdowns, 25-36. There's not much, unfortunately, to take away from this. You know, just considering UConn's an independent as of now, we're going to get into the rumor with UConn in a little bit in our next segment. But, yeah, good performance there by the Blue Raiders. Good offensive performance. Andrew, this is a game I don't really want to harp on too much because it's not a conference game. There's not really too much you could really take away. You play an independent team. You're expected to win. You get the win. But So, I mean, Middle Tennessee, they've really surprised me with the three wins this year. But Oh, we know they have. <laughs> you yeah. were doubting them from the start. I, again, Rick Stockstill is a veteran coach. Yep. Just a matter of time. But I, I, this is a good win, though, because these are the type of wins you need to can become bowl eligible. And that's really what Middle is looking for right now, sitting at, uh, obviously, with a couple of losses. You can still creep up and make things interesting in the East, but your main goal at 3-4 and four is, okay, how can we finish at least 6-6 six and six I, I, I don't think they can get 6-6. Six and six. I'm just looking at the remainder of their schedule. Andrew, I agree, agree with you on there. You play Southern Miss this week. You, you get a win there, probably. Probably, yeah. You play Western. I think that's you know that'll probably be a loss. You never know. Uh, Middle took uh, down Marshall. Yeah, I'm just, they have the capability to sneak up on a team. Yeah, with, I mean, the, with that offense, because Cunningham it's going to be close good. though. Cunningham's it, looked really good yeah. at quarterback since they've made the switch and Hawkman left the program and Cunningham's got the ball. He's played good football. So they've got and and that's what's been the concern. I mean, defensively they haven't been great. But you have veterans and great and blanket chip on the backside in the blanket secondary. A beast. He's, he's a really good player. He's, he's a beast on the defense. So if you can the get ball. the offense to be consistent, think about this. They have Southern Miss, FIU, Old Dominion. There's your three wins yeah. to get to six wins, and uh, then you play Western and FAU. If you sneak up on one of them, there's a seven and five season. Uh, look, I think it's a good year. Could be. I I, I just don't want to get a false sense of confidence. If you're a Blue Raiders fan, I look at this. I mean, it looks easy, but I just think we've looked at this conference so far. I think 
especially with the UAB Rice game, my perspective on the conference has changed. Anybody can beat anybody. So, yeah, it's going to be close, but, you know, if not, maybe uh, we'll see Rick Stockstill in a Hawaii, Hawaiian shirt down in the Bahamas. So, Bahamas Bowl, Good, yeah. Hawaii Bowl. Could go to that new Fenway Bowl. They have, they have a tie in there. All right, let's move on to the Saturday slate. The now, the then 24th-ranked Roadrunners, they moved up a spot this week. Now they're the 23rd-ranked Roadrunners. Had a beatdown at, at Louisiana Tech. Andrew, your thoughts on this one? FA, or UTSA just continues to be really dominant. It doesn't matter who they play, where they play, how they play. They get it done on both sides of the football. You hold a La Tech team. They, La Tech gets 408 yards of offense, but three turnovers. They pick off Austin Kendall twice, um, or they pick off Aaron Allen once. They force a fumble by the running back. The way UTSA has just played in these games that you think, okay, maybe they finally slip up for one time. They just continue to play good football. Harris doesn't have to do too much. 12 of 19, 193, a couple of scores. McCormick goes over 100 yards again and three touchdowns. The defense gives up a lot of yardage, but it's really just chunk yardage toward the end of the football game because besides LaTex opening touchdown drive, think about these next couple of drives, four plays, six yards, six plays, nine yards to round out the first half. First half, it was 13 or 21-10. So you're thinking, okay, it's a relatively close game. LaTex opens up the second half. Uh, or excuse me, UTSA opens up the second half with points, and it's like, oh boy. And then they shut out La Tech in the third quarter and the second quarter, and that's what turned out to be the difference because you get 21 in that quarter, you go up several scores, and then you put the nail in the coffin in the fourth quarter through the Roadrunners to get this victory. It's just the way this team's played, no matter how it needs to get the job done. Like last week, uh, or not last week, I think it may have been a few weeks ago, um, against Western Kentucky. You get in a shootout, but you come up with a couple of big plays on Zappy and that, that offense to secure a victory. Same thing against Memphis and Middle Tennessee State. They just find ways, not ugly ways to win, but just unconventional ways. Like you would think each game, you know, it's going to be Harris dominant, it's going to be McCormick over 100 yards, and you're going to get that. McCormick went over 100 yards this yep, game. It but it's so many different things that happen throughout the game whether it be the defense, which you've seen a lot more now, making plays, holding a La Tech team to less than 20 points is incredible because of what they've been able to do against some Power 5 teams. It's not just that they're undefeated and they've dominated every team. It's just they're finding good ways to blow a team out. Like, nothing stands out to you about what UTSA did, but they just make winning plays, and then it results in a blowout victory. Yeah, one thing I was going to say about that, Angie brought up good points here. I had to look up LaTeX schedule. Andrew was talking because I want it was going to reinforce my point. This is the set. This is the largest loss of LaTeX season. Every other game, it's been one or two touchdown deficits. So this is a huge lo- uh, loss for them. Austin Kennel actually had a decent day, twenty-three for 30, thirty-four. Not, you want the to be better? Two seven nine, two touchdowns, one interception. Harris had another good day. McCormick had a good day. But Andrew, here's a point I was thinking about this the other day, with, with Matt Wells being fired. You know, I love reading the rumor mill. Oh, Jeff Trailers in the rumor mill for yep. Texas Tech. Yep. That, I was going to save that for later on, but that works. Well, I was going to bring it up because uh, it reinforced my point I was about to make. You already have a lot of distractions now in your outside distractions. You have the ranking. Yeah, that, I think that's easy for everyone to get in their head and think, oh, we're, we're, we're the 23rd best team. But now when you have your head coach rumored for a Power 5 job, and again, it's a rumor, you know, we'll, we'll see how that goes. You have more external distractions in your building. 
So to come out and have a, a dominating win against a conference opponent, that's great. But they got to manage their emotions the rest of the season. But great win. McCormick, he, he, once again, he was my player, offensive player of the year at the, in the preseason show. He's done great so far this year. Frank Harris is, is another great performance. So the ro- but UTEP, UTEP, they're going to play UTEP next week. Yep. They got a couple of tough games coming up. Here's my U- UTEP in UAB. Here's my thing on the trailer situation. Then we'll move on. Uh, Jeff Trailer is an excellent coach. What he's been able to do at UTSA. Yeah. We've seen this coming since we started this show. Nick and I uh, back in back a few years ago, in 2019, yeah. before Ben Cowher was here. Um, well, he 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 was he he was he came by in March. Yeah, but he wasn't here at the university. No, no he was not with us he in was this program. Us. And so we had always just kind of seen a little bit of sparks of growth that UTSA yeah. is going to be a quality program. They've got the pieces there. And now that they're healthy and their defense is there, Harris is healthy, McCormick's legit. They're playing this well. No surprise to me. Think about Trailer. I don't ever. I don't see him moving on here because think about this. UTSA is going to the Americans soon. He's got this program exactly where he wants it to be. In a case where UTSA, because the Texas Tech jobs open, can say, okay, we're undefeated. This is a perfect time to extend our guy and keep him here for a few years. So when we go to the American. It's an easy transition. It's not a transition to where we go to the American, and instead of being a nine-win team in Conference USA, now we're a five-win American Athletic Conference team because we've got uh, harder teams on our schedule in conference play. So this is a perfect, ideal situation for a UTSA program where you've got a quality coach. He's undefeated. You're nationally ranked. Extend him. Give Give him all the money he wants and deserves to keep him in town so your program continues to play at a high level. And then if he eventually moves on later on down the road, okay. But your transition to the American then keeps you at a level where the guy you bring in is going to sustain that level. I disagree with you on that. I, I do, But my thing is this. It's the same thing with Marshall well, Texas men's Tech, soccer. Texas like Tech is a power five, power five program. Texas Tech's going to throw the boatload. To get trailer, and that's where UTSA. I just don't has think. Say, I don't think UTSA is going to be going to pay millions. We'll see. We'll, we'll that's talk an about season thing, but yeah, we'll talk about when the time I, comes. But. I don't see it. I would be thoroughly shocked. We'll move on. Liberty North Texas, another non-conference matchup here. North Texas, at one point in this football game, they end up losing thirty-five to twenty-six, but it was seven nothing North Texas at the end of the first quarter. In fact, the Mean Green were up twenty to fourteen at the break. The big story. In the first half was Malik Willis getting hurt. He got hurt and left the football game. North Texas took advantage, had some momentum, went into the halftime with the lead. Comes out second half. Austin Ani on the first drive takes the team 89 yards in six minutes. They go up 26-14. You're looking, okay, what is North Texas all of a sudden done between Marshall and Liberty to put this together? Malik Willis comes back in the game, and the team scores 21 unanswered to win 35-26. But overall, a better result from this North Texas team and a good response after getting blown out at home. I think a lot of it's humiliation. They were humiliated on national television. I think, Andrew, a lot of times when you get embarrassed, that next week you're going to be more motivated to go play, and I think you saw that there. There's concerns for Liberty. Malik Willis is phenomenal. Jonathan Bennett was not that great. But here, here's my issue. Andrew, what is the thing that you and I have been talking a lot about this year? Special teams, big plays. Yep, they had a punt De- return. Yep, Demario Douglas goes to the house for 72 yards, and then Jonathan Bennett has another big touchdown pass. This, th- this is why North Texas lost this game, in my opinion. 
you, you get in your head when the big play happens and you're like, I can't pro like I can't I'm I'm demoralized, so it's a lot harder for me to play the game. That's what happened there. Look, North Texas, phenomenal job against the Liberty team. Shock the Flames are not ranked. Right now they're right now they're they'd be my top twenty five in the CFP. I think they're a good team. But yeah, I, I think North Texas they gotta they gotta work on more emotional conditioning and more learning that when a big play happens, we can't just get all in our heads about it. Western beats FIU 34-19, a closer game than many expected. FIU came out firing early. Bordenschlager a close run in, in the end of the first quarter. It was 6-0. They missed the extra point. It got blocked. But FIU's defense holds Western to no points in the first quarter. That changed in the second. Despite FIU getting a 12-7 lead, Western Kentucky scores 17, goes up 17-12 at halftime. Western pulls away at, at some certain points here of this second half to win 34-19. to But an interesting result here. Zappi continues to be really good. How about this completion percentage? 39 of 49 for 382 and three scores. The ground game was consistent. But FIU early on made things a little bit difficult. It was slow getting off the track for Western Kentucky, but ultimately they get the victory over here over the Panthers. Well, there was one thing that stood out in this game, and I sent the picture to you guys. The punt coverage of Western Kentucky was the worst I've ever seen in my life. It was horrendous. I'll, I'll just quickly explain it for our listeners. They had three guys on each side of the punter. They got guys in the back, and they, left, and they left the middle wide open. And then the guy gets the ball to punt, the punter of FIU. He goes to punt it. He muffs it. If, if you had a guy right in the middle there, you could have quickly gotten that ball back. But they didn't, so that was not – I'll just say that because to me – I'm a big believer in special teams changes games. That could have changed. I don't know how much it would change the game, but it would have at least something with momentum. But that's beside the point. Borden Schlager, 15 for 32. FIU, their offense is just installing. It's just every week I'm like, oh, you're Borden Schlager, good quarterback. He just doesn't have the pieces around him to be successful, Andrew. And I, you're just seeing that there. Well, they're big play dependent. Yeah, when you look at the, it's the not result, working. they have well, they they have they lead the nation in plays over forty yards. Marshall does, I believe. Hold on, oh, there was a stat I read. Marshall's about one FIU. or FIU's too, but let's see. Hold on. Here's the next point I want to make. Let's talk about the ground game tonight. This because this was just interesting to me. FIU leads all of FBS in fifty plus yard plays 50. with so twelve and sixty plus yard plays at seven. So they were their big play to benefit. If they don't hit the big play, right. their offense has struggled to go and sustain a drive. That's been the key really for their offense. And that's the issue. That. You gotta play small ball. You know, you can't just keep throwing downfield. Tom Brady, he doesn't throw a ball downfield twenty every single play. Nope. But Andrew, here's my concern. The rush offense total. Twenty eight yards of total rush offense. That's a problem. You're not going to win games that way. I don't, I don't care if you're you. You could be, no, maybe not maybe not two years old, but you you know junior level, high school, college. You're not going to win a football game with low rush yardage, especially in this league when it's very rush heavy. You're definitely not going to win a game. The I don't the ESPN stats are weird because it has one oh, guy no. for a carry for negative 18 yards. Epic man, yep. Yeah, I don't I don't know how accurate that may be. Well, you did get tackled. It was like a bad. Must be a ladder or something. But, but Price was, ran the football well. 86 Price yards did, on but his teammates carries. didn't really help Nobody him out. Nobody else. Yeah, so I think, they're, I think those numbers are more Just inflated total. because of the total number. But effectively, when Price, their running back, got the football, it was some. Yeah, when Price runs, it's good. But 
West Kentucky Zappy. I think Billy Zappy might be making a case for Player of the Year. He has had a phenomenal year. It'll be him and McCormick making a case for his Player of the Year and deserve some recognition here. Jareth Stearns, 83 catches, over 1,000 yards, and 10 touchdowns. He has the most receptions in college football, the most yards in college football, and he's second in touchdowns. Pretty good. That the connection between Zappy and Stearns, it was last year at Houston Baptist. Nick Verzellini and I talked about this every week too. Is Houston yeah. Baptist offense? Well, it's here at Western Kentucky, and it's Zappy and, and it's Stearns. Working. Think about these numbers, okay? Four consecutive games, Ben Cower, because I'm talking to Ben through our class here in the WML studios. Is why I'm directly talking to him. 13 catches or more in four consecutive games. Yeah. In conference play, he is averaging. Ben, you look so 46 abused. divided by three. Oh, here we go. Well over. over well, I'm, I'm not good at math. Over 15 so. receptions. Good answer. <laughs> just about 15 receptions per game in Conference USA play for Jared Stearns. Put that into your mind. He's had seven catches or more in every game this season. He has been phenomenal. 100 yards or more in every game but one. And he scored a touchdown in every game but one. And he's we'll been be, phenomenal. And we're going to see him. my mind. He'll he be, has been phenomenal. And he'll be here November 27th. Yeah. When Marshall plays Western, final game of the season. So that and that game could have some bowl implications. More than bowl implications. Conference championship. Conference championship yeah. implications. Well, we got to see how November plays out yeah. first. A lot's going to happen before that. At least bowl implications. Have, uh, anyway. All right, let's get to the upset. We all like upsets. Uh, Rice upsets the Owls, thirty to twenty-four. Andrew, your thoughts on this one? Did not see it coming. Ben and I kind of thought maybe the week before. When Rice played UTSA, maybe Rice would sneak up on the undefeated Roadrunners. They lost 45 nothing. but what a response here from the Owls to maybe spoil the Blazers' season. The defending Conference USA champs go down by six. And what is so impressive about this victory is that we talk about Rice as a running team. They're just going to run it down your throat, eat some clock, and, and really manage the time of this football game. They manage the time, 38 minutes of possession of the football. But Wiley Green steps in at quarterback. Yeah. He's been there several years now. Gets the start against the Blazers here on the road, 205, three scores. That's a game manager, 17 to 22. He managed the game perfectly. The ground game was a committee. Nobody's going to stand out to you in terms of their production, but they just run the ball effectively. Petrie, the third on the outside, and Jake Bailey were really good as two main guys for Wiley Green. He got some help from a few other guys as well, but they just made big plays. The defense held in there when necessary, and. Listen, when you go up two scores on the road, it puts pressure on UAB. And UAB didn't really do anything to hurt them in this football game because Hopkins did throw a pick and Rice turned the ball over twice. UAB did as well. But it was just one of those cases where Rice did enough, did more to win this game than UAB did to lose. Sometimes when you see these upsets, it's more so UAB hurts themselves or the, the team that's favored loses the football game. In my opinion, Rice won this game and deserved to upset UAB because Rice outplayed the Blazers, and all of a sudden the Owls are 2-1 and one in the West Division. So this was an impressive win that nobody saw coming. It took an interesting end to get there, but Rice was able to finally do it, especially go on the road. Really good win. point I was going to make is you talk about Rice's quarterback. I think they finally got their guy in Willie, Wiley Green. Phenomenal performance. The rush game for UAB, 95-42. to 42. My concern for the Blazers is this. We talked about Dylan Hopkins. He, he's done a decent job at quarterback. But I think they're starting to have this issue. I think they're kind of – I think they're having the championship hangover now. They go, oh, we won. It's going to be easy. 
and they're finding out it's not going to be easy. And the last couple weeks of the regular season for the Blazers, it's not easy at all. It is it is difficult test. Louisiana Tech next week, we'll see how La Tech is. I think La Tech right now is like the box of chocolate. We don't know what we don't know what team we're going to get. Marshall on the thirteenth. And then, how about this for the end of the year? UTSA and UTEP. So the Blazers, I think they got to get going. They got to start figuring something out if they want to be back to where they were a year ago. Yeah, on the Blazers' side, this is a game where, okay, maybe this kind of lights a flame under that shoulder pad. Because you mentioned the stretch. La Tech, who is no walkover, they're 2-5, and right. five, but, and yes, they're they not played playing every great clo- football, but uh, they've played game they close, played close games, and they're yeah. a quality team. They're not a Southern Miss 2-5. and five. They're a La Tech 2-5. and five. Then you got to come to Huntington to play the herd, who was, who's already upset with what happened last year here in Huntington, at UTSA and then UTEP. So you're playing three teams that are above 500 and at the top or close to the top of their divisions. It's a tough road ahead for UAB, but they're more than capable of going 4-0 there and running the table because they still control their own destiny yeah. here. You win out, you're going to be in to the Conference USA West Division Championship. So this is a bad loss, and it could pin them down. Because now there's a lot of pressure to win these final games. And that's the issue, is they have to respond to pressure. And when you haven't had to do that all season, we're going to find out how good of a team they actually are. Because this, right. is, this, is, this is when championships are made. Want to do the standings? Yeah, we'll run through the yeah. standings here real quick before we take a break. East Division continues to be a dogfight. Well, I think Four now it's teams. like a traffic jam. Yeah, well, it's not a, Yeah, not yet. We'll just say it's a dogfight. All right. Four two one and one teams: FAU, Charlotte, Marshall, Western. All two and one. Three of those teams: Marshall, Charlotte, FAU. All four and three overall. Western's three and four overall. Middle Tennessee State's one and two in Conference USA play. Still trying to hang around there with those top dogs in FIU and Old Dominion. Each zero and three. Better say they're in the yellow submarine. Let's go down to the West Division: the UTSA and the UTEP Miners. They're up at the top. They're undefeated. In conference play, UAB's nice in the middle in third place. And then Rice, 2-1, and one, La Tech, 1-2. And, and then, as we begin, the yellow submarine for the West Division, North Texas and Southern Miss. So, Andrew, your thoughts on the standings as the iPad goes for a little tumble? Yeah, it fell down there. Uh, UTSA, UTEP, they play next week. I hope UTEP's still undefeated. We'll get into the game's head forward, but that, that could be that, a that's really be a good matchup. Week. And it's going to be on ESPN, too. Yep. Uh, so they're getting national, national television, which is great because who would have thought that would be a nationally televised football game in November with what could uh, get has a little happened game day, in actually. previous years? Could. It very well could. Uh, but so you got Rice hanging around there at 2-1. and one. You can't count out the Owls. UAB is a one-loss team. You can't count them out yet either and then again the east division's a four-team race charlotte fau marshall and western it's a dogfight. and again there's no clear-cut favorite and that's what you love when we enter november Absolutely. here last week of october there's no clear cut they're gonna win it and they're gonna see maybe one this team or this team it's four three to four teams in each division could win it all take a break yep. conference realignment Next, here on Inside Conference USA on the Cutting Edge Sports Radio Network. Award-winning coverage lives right here on WMUL-FM Huntington, WFGH-FM Fort Gay, and WTHM-LP Ravenswood, West Virginia. What I say, you already know, but you don't believe. You won't accept, you don't conceive. When you're inside your car, you feel safest of all. Are you safe? Are you? Two tons of sheet metal in your hands. Two tons don't run on autopilot. 
You have a mission. It's no collision. Hold the phone. Don't text. You're angling to be next. Oh, you've done it before. What's the harm? Just this once, there's no alarm. Got your hands on the wheel? No big deal. Brothers and sisters, you won't see it coming. You're off the road. Your life explodes. It's not worth it. Don't do it. You only think there's nothing to it. Put it down. Hang up. Pay attention to highway action. Behind the wheel, there is no such thing as a small distraction. Join the conversation at decidetodrive.org. A public service message from the American Academy of Orthopedic Surgeons, who would rather help keep your bones strong than put them back together. This is former Marshall football player and two-time Super Bowl champion Alvin McClellan. You're listening to the worldwide leader in Marshall Athletics coverage, the Cutting Edge Sports Radio Network. Back inside Conference USA, Andrew Rogers, Justin Zimmer, and Ben Cower here on the program. We didn't get it's, Ben Cowers depending on conference realignment. We didn't, and that's what we're going to talk about here for the next five to ten minutes, conference realignment. And last week, Ben could not be with us, sports view duties to attend to we missed following. You, and so there were some teams added to the American Athletic Conference. And if you're just joining us or just understanding and learning of this information, FAU, Charlotte, North Texas, UTSA, Rice, and UAB all set to join the American Athletic Conference. That was net announced last Thursday, and then in between our show last week and this week, the news broke Southern Miss has a done deal to the Sun Belt. Old Dominion announced it today. They'll have an official press conference with the Sun Belt Conference tomorrow, so there's two more teams leaving Conference USA. That leaves Marshall, who is presumed to be leaving well, following. Get, well, there's a tweet by Patrick Fell, the chairman of the Board of Governors today, which made it a little interesting. I'll go have to look. I'll have to go look uh, uh, at that. But I think most people are expecting, even the Sun Belt is expecting Marshall to make the switch as soon as the new president's announced. Which will be tomorrow. Just morning. a matter of yeah, they're announced the new president tomorrow morning, and so you'd figure by probably Friday at the latest, Marshall's going to be in the Sun Belt as well. So we're talking Ben about a lot of teams on the move, and where that leaves Conference USA. Your general thoughts on CUSA to the American, the Sun Belt now getting involved. Your your general thoughts on the future of the league and what these teams have done. Well, it's it's really interesting because I don't know. I, I think at most for Marshall, considering Marshall's stance here, it, it's very much a on the football side of things. It's a I'd say it's a benefit on the football side because you're getting to play App State, you're getting to play Coastal, uh, Louisiana. I mean, the Raging Cajuns are pretty good. Uh, but I mean, I'd say the competition is slightly better in the in the Sun Belt, but every other sport is you know, in flux right now where, you know, basketball, you're, you're to the Sun Belt. I don't know about that, especially uh, soccer. Uh, Conference is a fantastic in soccer. And now, hypothetically, you know, Marshall being ripped from that. You know, we've had a, a, a good run as of late here in Conference USA. Uh, on the football side of things, I'm excited. You know, again, App State, Coastal, I think those are great opponents. Uh, it, it's going to be interesting to see, you know, how Marshall plays them every single year. Uh, I don't know how Marshall will do, but uh, JMU, in, in their case, it's a huge step up. Uh, <laughs> I don't know how they're going to apply and, you know, merge into that yeah. you know, new landscape, but it's going to be interesting to see how they do and, you know, ODU coming along for the ride in the Sun Belt. And then everybody leaving for the American, it's it's greener pastures. It really is. Uh, you know, it's 
the American wants to fill up the, the huge gap that Texas and uh, or excuse me, not Texas, but uh, Cincinnati. I was thinking the SEC. Well, they had a bad. Texas school leave too. Houston. Yeah, and I mean they're trying to fill that gap, and I wouldn't necessarily say like for example North Texas is a very good team, and yeah, yet they're moving them. up to a better conference. Uh, but it, it's just interesting to see. Uh, I think the American is obviously getting a bit of a downgrade. With I mean UAB is a big addition. Uh, but I don't know. Uh, I think the the big winner here is the Sun Belt because they're poaching. I mean, maybe I'm biased, but Marshall is a good program. Uh, for, you know, it's a namesake program that they can bring in. Uh, ODU has been solid, and JMU has been impressive the past couple of years. So, uh, big moves being made here by the Sun Belt. So, you know, Sun Belt expanding, AAC settling, Conference USA really in a tough spot here. And we'll get to that in a second. Here's Patrick Farrell's tweet that I was refer- referring to. He sent this out at 10 a.m. this morning. Quote, a lot of Marshall sports fans are un- un- understandably anxious about conference realignment. No decision has been made and discussions about our future are ongoing. I can commonly say that the timing of our decision won't impact which conference we choose. And he ends it with the hashtag, go her. That's the end of the quote, end of the tweet there. So guys, reactions to that tweet, because as of right now, you would think tomorrow morning would be the day to do it with the new president, but it seems a little bit there could be a little bit of cold feet. I think it's your typical Marshall. I, I, I think it's a stump speech. I, 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 I think I, it's your typical Marshall University administration tweet, if that makes sense. And I don't know what this gives the people because oh, the people are responding. it gives there you are the people. idea that, okay, they made their decision. They want people to kind of still be on their edge of their seat. But the way he says it and saying, like, I can confidently say that the timing of our decision won't impact which conference we choose, it seems like Marshall's on the move because Marshall's in a conference. It's not like we're independent. Yeah, they're saying right. that they're choosing. Yeah, it's like it's like we're choosing, okay, do we want to stay? Which I understand it's either you want to stay in Conference USA or, you know, are we going to go to the Sun Belt? It, the way he rewards that makes me think, like, we're independent now. Like, Yeah. So That's right. the way he says that automatically turns since we're not independent it makes me think okay we're on the move and it's like okay the american thought about us we said not really or we want people to think the american thought about the herd so now it's like okay we're gonna go to the sun belt but he's gonna have to reassure people okay i know you're anxious but we've got it under control we're headed to the sun belt blah 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 yeah and that'll be tomorrow morning well is marshall announcing the new athletic director tomorrow morning now that will be the new president's discretion that's, but that's here's the but here's the caveat to that the new president doesn't start till july july 15th of next year so i read that tweet i i do agree the sun belt's coming but i think they're trying to give themselves like hey maybe we won't we won't do this right away we'll wait till the new person's installed and it's their and it's their Turn to, to drive. Well, the here's the I don't follow think up to that though. Yeah. How long will the Sun Belt wait, Mike? I don't. Well, they're not waiting until next July. If, you, right. if they have to, well, Marshall's going to make, make a decision soon. Yeah. Anyway, I think. Well, just as a last point, I I think that they're just waiting for the athletic director to be appointed. I don't know how long that search is going to take because the new president's going to have to do that search I'm, as well. The new president's going to have to partake in that search, but uh, unless they already have somebody in mind, I I think it's I don't know. I, I think the decision is. Uh, both concerning the athletic director here and potentially moving to the Sun Belt, I think that move is, or both moves are coming soon. Uh, but, you know, one domino has got to fall and knock over the other domino, if 
you know what I'm saying. So we, we mentioned the teams that moved last week. Southern Miss and Old Dominion have now moved to the Sun Belt. Again, Marshall has not confirmed anything to the Sun Belt. Just nor James and Madison. Talk. Nor, nor James, James Madison. Madison. There's only been two teams. We don't really care about James Madison. This is Conference well, USA we, talk. We'll get into them. But Southern Miss, Old Dominion on the move. Justin, I know you've had some, not talks, but you've been listening to hearing what Southern Miss has said yep. about things. So yesterday they had a press conference. This is a... Dr. Rodney D. Bennett, he's the president of the University of Southern Miss. I'm gonna, I want to play the clip first and then discuss it because there's a little interesting component to this, and then I'll go after it. Ben, hit it. Uh, the University of Southern Mississippi, as mentioned before, has accepted the invitation to join the Sunbelt Conference, effective on the 1st of July, 2023. Membership in the Sunbelt is an exciting opportunity, an exciting opportunity for our university, an exciting opportunity for our student athletes, an exciting opportunity for our alumni and fans, and an exciting opportunity for the university's host communities. I believe without a doubt that this move will allow our student athletes to compete in what is fast becoming the best group of five conference in the country. And we will also provide greater visibility for the university's championship athletics programs. In addition, the Sun Belt's geographic footprint will create new regional rivalries and will encourage more visitors to the state of Mississippi, further increasing our athletics program's $41 million annual economic impact on the state of Mississippi. That was uh, Dr. Ronnie D. Bennett, the president of the University of Southern Mississippi. I'm going to add a little context to what we cut out because he does, then he does a two minute thank you portion to Conference USA. But any part, there was a part that stood out to me in there. It wasn't a great reason, but it was more, it was something. I saw Ben, he was kind of reacting as the thing was playing. So I'll let you start here. I, I don't know. I was just, I was shaking my head. Or, oh, it's going to bring more people to the state. It's right. like, that. yeah, that's why. That, that, that's, that, that's that was my why. reaction. I'm like, more okay. More visitors. Uh, that's why you're moving to the Sun Belt. No, it isn't. No, yeah. it isn't. Uh, I don't know. I, I think it's just really interesting. I mean, it's just corporate speak. Yeah, a lot of it. it. It's, it's corporate speak. Yeah, just give your thoughts. I'll follow you up. I thought it was an interesting statement. Not what, not what, I, I didn't want to play the two-minute Conference USA portion, but that, to me, was the interesting part of the whole thing. You're there with the Sunbelt Commissioner, and then you're going to do a two-minute Conference USA stump speech. That, to me, seemed very interesting. Here's the thing with the regional rivalries. You're traveling the same area now. You already have teams in your regional rivalries there. So, I, I, to me, I get the argument, but I'm kind of like, okay, we, you got poached. You, this is just simply what happened. We don't need to dress it up and move I mean, on. It's not, like they're, it's not like they're going to new states. Right. Because the Sun Belt, as you said, covers roughly the same area as Conference USA. That's why that whole financial impact statement to me, that, that was the 
Andrew, I'll let you get in this, and then then I then we'll talk about the new conference USA potential members. Yep, yep, and then we'll hit we'll hit on that, and then we'll have to go yep. go to break real quick and get ready for week nine. Um, the really the only thing that stood out to me big time that nobody's hit on is mentioning the Sun Belt as one of the best group of five conferences, and I think that's a fine argument to oh, make because a, in football. Um, you're talking about Appalachian State, who's always been a, a solid program. Coastal Carolina has come out of nowhere. Louisiana Lafayette's got a good program. Troy. So there's a lot of good programs. And when you throw in a Southern Miss and an Old Dominion, that'll help. And then if you get Marshall in there as well and you get James Madison, it does create the Sun Belt Conference and makes it a good conference. So I get that. And obviously, as uh, was that the AD you said or was that the president? That was the president. So that's the obviously. AD, the AD kind of fought the president's similar speech. And anybody's supposed to say we're going to the best group of five you know we're, right. we want to hype up and i understand that and that's what you're supposed to do but i kind of agree with him like sometimes it's a solid conference it could compete with the american athletic because the american athletic has lost some of their best teams like houston six and two this year cincinnati's number two in the country ucf in the past defending national champions one year like so the, there's good programs that leave there that don't make them as great. Now, there's a lot of good teams going from CUSA there, so they could definitely keep it at that high level. But Sun Belt can just as well say, we've got a solid thing going over here as well. Well, the Sun Belt has on and off ranked teams. App, App State right. has been ranked on and off the past yeah. couple of years. They're a very solid program, and Coastal has been ranked. I mean, they're ranked this year. They were ranked last year. They had a very impressive run. Uh, you know, really, those team, those two teams in specifically are the ones I, I look at as the the forefront of the Sun Belt as of right now, but it looks like they have more ranked teams potentially than the American heading into yeah, you know the yeah, future. Very good. Very good. Uh, really quick, Justin, read us off some of the names at Conference USA because now we're down to f- what five teams? UTEP F-, or UTEP, La Tech, Middle, Western, and FIU are the only teams left. That's five Conference USA teams left pending Marshall's move to the Sun Belt, so we'll say six for now. But yep. who else? Who joins Conference USA to replace all these teams? Well, this is from Pete Thamel of Yahoo Sports, and he's had all of the scoopsies on this, every scoop he's had on this. But here, here, here are your potential new members. Sam Houston State, New Mexico State, and Tarleton State. That's right. Those are your new members. Yeah, you Pretend. got to peek from the independent a little bit and New Mexico State, so... You have UConn, though. I'm amazed they have not contact, at least according to the thing. This, is, this yet, was from yeah. a couple of days ago, but... That old, that that talk will get going more... That'll be next week. That's what we'll talk about not, next not week. Even, not even next week, but that could just be an ongoing thing to see, like, what these other Conference USA schools do. Like, does Western try to get to the Sun Belt? Do these other teams try to jump ship to go somewhere else? Does UTEP try to jump to the Mountain West? Well, That's bring, when Conference USA is going to be like, okay, is our league dead now? Like, well, are we dying? you bring that up. There is something from the UTEP's AD, Jim Sentner, in a tweet. He says, basically, I'll paraphrase it here, the FBS independence the last resort. They want to stay in Conference USA no matter who comes in place. So, all right, we well, do got to get to a break, I, but we will we'll touch on this next week. We got Ben's Bulls. Uh, you want, unless you have a point you want to make. I just want to make one last point. Yeah, and I, I talked about this early, well privately earlier, but Conference USA has got a lot of money. Oh, on yeah. the way, they have that's a lot of money and exit fees that are going, you know, right into the conference pockets, and that's not just going to disappear into thin air. No, where there's legitimate incentive for the few teams that are left in Conference USA right now to stick around because the conference is going to all of a sudden twenty million dollars 
or, or so. Twenty one million, yeah. Twenty one million is, is gonna fall right onto everybody's shoulders. So there's incentive to bring those new teams in and whoever's left, you know, hey, there's still incentive there. The conference isn't just gonna collapse because there's nothing there. All right. We're gonna put a pin in this for now. We are gonna get back well, guarantee we'll be back to this next week when more announcements are made. When we come back, Ben's Bullseye and Game Picks. You're listening to Inside Conference USA on the Cutting Edge Sports Radio Network. Here's your cappuccino, miss. Great, thanks. Coffee with cream? Look, almost half of all new STD infections are among young people 15 to 24 years old. Yet most infections have no symptoms. The only way to know for sure is to be tested. So GYT, get yourself tested. Visit gytnow.org to find an STD testing location near you. A message from CDC. Hi, this is former martial football player Blake Keller, and you're listening to the worldwide leader in martial athletics coverage, the Cutting Edge Sports Radio Network. Back inside Conference USA, Andrew Rogers, Justin Zimmer, Ben Cower here on the program. Ben, your bullseye. The few times I've had to say it for you, but you're back. What do you got for week nine? Oh, yeah, that's right. We're back. Bullseye's back, and I'm Ben. I'm saying it. Rice over UT. Uh, I got Rice. Uh, the line is 2.5 in favor of UT right now, which is, uh, I don't know. Or, or two and a half Rice. Yep. Yeah. Rice favored by two and a half. Rice is favored by two and a half? Correct. I, I guess that updated in the time that I I wrote that because I, I, I picked my – my pick was on Monday. I, I okay. Wrote so that what do you down. what do you got? I still got rice. You uh, got rice covering two and a half. Yeah, I got rice covering okay. two and a half. Their uh, big ride coming off the big upset win versus UAB. Uh, I think they win the battle of Texas here. Bet the over. I like rice. Okay. Bullseye for this week. Let's get to game picks, Angel. We'll start there. North Texas and Rice on a Saturday. I'll take rice. I like rice coming off the big victory. There is the uh, concern that maybe. Um, Rice is a little too, riding too high because of the road win against UAB, but I don't think the Owls think like that, and they'll take advantage of a North Texas team, especially defensively, that struggled. North Texas offensively has not been good, and you go up against a Rice team that's been solid defensively and limited what UAB was able to do last week, and for a Rice team that loves time of possession, had it, had it for 38 minutes last week against UAB, so a team that loves to possess the football it's going to create problems for a team that, when it does get the football, has struggled to move it. So it's going to ask North Texas to really be efficient and effective. They haven't done that this year. Give me the Owls by a score at least. Ben, I'm, with my Zimmer winner, I'm going to agree with you. I'm going to go Rice uh, uh, outright in this game to cover two and a half. I just think they have their quarterback now in Wiley Green. You have a quarterback, you're going to have a lot more success. There's no, there's no going to be this rotation. So I'm going to go with the Owls here. And just real quick. Before we all forget, because we did. Oh yeah, we, we, yeah, the records. records. Yeah, we gotta we gotta got bring up the records. So last week, uh, see this is when I got scared. I mean, I'll I'll pray. You know, first and foremost, Alex Jackson over here, who was here last week, he went three and three on the picks, so eh, halfway. But standings are a little closer after last week. Andrew, your lead went down by a point. Point. Okay. We all can right. Handle that. We can Andrew, sixty-four and ten. Justin Zimmer, sixty-two and twelve. He's within two. two. Within two, yeah. Within Close. two of Andrew, and I'm at fifty-eight and sixteen. So I'm not that up, far behind. Up. I, I, but uh, last week, just for reference, uh, 
Andrew, the one you missed was Charlotte, and uh, because you picked them over FAU, and then everybody missed UAB, UAB. Yeah. and then uh, and then yeah, that's it, that's it. I got every single game right, and Way to go. or well, every game except for Rice UAB, UAB. Yep, yep, but. Yep, uh, after, you know, those are the records after this past week. All right, Marshall FIU, Justin and I will be on the call. Ben will be on site. Either nobody's going to make a pick on this because Justin will be get calling yeah. the game. I'll be giving analysis. I'll just give my quick thoughts here before we move on. Uh, obviously, Marshall 4-3, and three, back-to-back wins here in Conference USA against an FIU team that hasn't won since the opener against Long Island. We've talked about FIU's offense, big play-dependent. The big question going in, I think, on Marshall's side, obviously FIU, it's how can you move the football consistently and play well defensively on Marshall's side. team that's built momentum and has won back-to-back games, blew out North Texas, but you blew them out and then went into the bye week. So can you sustain and be satisfied and move on from the blow and be able to carry that through the bye week into this home matchup with FIU? Again, we'll be on the call for that one, 3.30, right here on the Cutting Edge Sports Radio Network. Yeah, pregame 2.30, kickoff 3.30, Pre-game, Ben Cower and Christian, no, Ben Cower and Jaden Taylor will have pre-game. Yep. La Tech, Old Dominion, same time, different place, 3.30 kick on Saturday. La Tech at Old Dominion. Justin, start us off here. We'll be relatively quick here, yeah, about five it, minutes or it, so. It's tough since La Tech's had a very difficult season. They, they, they've lost a lot of close games. Old Dominion, though, has not been that good of a football team. I think this game's very close than what ex- the experts think. I'm going to go La Tech, very close, though. Okay, uh, I'm picking LaTeX too. I like I don't know. ODU has been ODU has been that team this year where they're they're able to challenge everybody. Now they, they weren't this team at the start, but they've developed into a team where hey they can keep uh, close to whoever they're playing, and I, it'll be another one of those games where you know LaTeX coming off a, a tough loss, uh, but I don't know. It'll be a close game. I just see LaTeX coming out on top here. Two LaTeX. Yep. Two La Techs. I'll make it a third one. Um, if I had a Ben, if I had a Bullseye or a Zimmer winner, I would go La Tech easy well, four cover here. But I think the Bulldogs will play a little bit better. It might get off to a shaky start. Old Dominion's a fine football yeah. team. They've been competitive, but and at home it makes me think Old Dominion could get that second victory in the first in conference play. But I think La Tech they just haven't been good enough yet to get a victory. I think they get over that hump, make a good run here late. They get the victory the over Ro- Old Dominion. The Rogers recommendation. Yeah, there yeah. we go. <laughs> Again, too late in the year, too yeah. late in my career here. Oh. WMU ought to go for that. <laughs> oh, a one and done. Middle at home against Southern Miss. Three and four middle, trying to get back to 500. Southern Miss, one and six. Ben, start us off here. Oh, middle Tennessee. Southern Southern Miss has been a mess. It's been a mess of a season, and it's not going to get any better. On the road versus middle, and middle has been, as of late, pretty good. So I, I'm going to go with middle on this one. Justin? I said Middle was going to get two wins at the beginning of the year. We're doubling it. Yeah, if you pick we're going to double it right now. Yeah, we're going to go with the Blue Raiders. Uh, just, just Southern Miss. They're, they've not had, a, they've not had a consistent quarterback. Yep, it's been the thing. Uh, Cunningham haven't been healthy there either. Yeah, Cunningham's going to have a gr- great game. He's going to go off. So, Blue Raiders, we're doubling it. Let's go. Let's, we're going with uh, Middle Tennessee. I'll take Middle as well. I'll make it three Middles there as well. So this congr- is where. Go ahead. So congratulations, Southern Miss. <laughs> maybe, maybe. Another this is upset. where things get really interesting. An East Division matchup and then an interconference matchup. We'll start with the East Division matchup because the I next agree. one is our you, game of the yeah, week. I agree. I agree um, 
Charlotte on the road against Western Kentucky. Keep in mind, these are two 2-1 two teams in the East Division, so the loser of this game could fall back a step and maybe not win the East. They're going to play behind the eight ball in this East Division. Charlotte 4-3, and three, has to go to 3-4. and four. Western, I'll start us off here. I'm going to go Western Kentucky. The line is 18 points. That's another Rodgers recommendation that... Honestly, 18 points is a lot. And Charlotte, yeah. yes, they're coming off the blowout. They have to go on the road against a dynamic offense, and that defense struggled last week. But that's a lot of points. And I think Western wins this football game, but it won't be a blowout fashion. I think it's a close game. Charlotte's going to play hard and well because that's how they play under Will Healy. But I'll take the Hilltoppers. These are two games we'll pick two that could go any either way here. So we're talking uh, tough grounds, Ben. I don't know. Charlotte really just hasn't had it on the road this year. I mean, outside of their, they beat FIU, but everybody can beat FIU. You know, FIU is the punching bag of the conference right now. And uh, other than that, they haven't won on the road this year, and they're going up against a very, very, very talented uh, Western Kentucky offense. I just don't see it happening for Charlotte. I think it's a loss for the 49ers, a win for the Hilltoppers this weekend. I agree with you on that logic. Charlotte has not played good on the road. So give me Western Kentucky blowout, though. This game's going to be out of hand. All right, let's get to the game of the week, boys. we got about one minute here before Sports View. UTEP, Florida Atlantic in Boca. So we'll see. It'll be 79 degrees that night. We're going to start it off with the man in FAU colors, by the way, Ben Cower. Oh, I'm in. Uh, that's right, I am in it. Uh-oh. Maybe Miner's colors a little bit with the hat, but. Eh, I'm going FA, FAU on this one. I don't know. The FAU's been strong as of late. I don't know. I, I just see them. It's going to be a. I think it's going to be much closer of a match because UTEP, I don't know, UTEP has been able to keep close. I mean, they, I didn't expect them to beat, uh, what, Louisiana Tech last yeah. week as severely as they did. But uh, I don't know. I, I like FAU in this one. The offense is stronger. I think they'll take care of UTEP in a very, very, very close game, FAU. Uh, advantage at home. I agree with you there. FAU advantage at home. Nikosi Perry had a phenomenal game last week. He'll have another phenomenal one tonight, t- on Saturday night. Go Miners. Go Miners. 7-1 and one UTEP after week 8 of the college football and college conference USA season, week 9 actually. UTEP is going to go into UTSA the week after on national television, 7-1 and one against 8-0 UTSA. It's going to be the best college football game of week 10. They're going to get past FAU. I like UTEP on the road at FAU, and it's going to stir up the pot in Conference USA East Division. All right, that does it for Inside Conference USA. For Ben Cower, our engineer, Justin Zimmer. I'm Andrew Rogers. That was Week 8 in Conference USA. We'll talk about Week 9 and maybe realignment probably again yeah, next probably. week at 5.30. Thank you for listening to Inside Conference USA on the Cutting Edge Sports Radio Network. Tune in again next Wednesday at 5.30 for another episode.